0: standard of paranormal radio and now here's
1: gene steinberg you know folks anytime we have pennsylvania's treasure ufo cryptid paranormal researcher stan gordon on the show all we have to do is say hi stan what's up and we sit back and we listen is that the way it works stan Well, it seems
2: to be. We always have a lot of information going on here. There's always more recent reports, and uh, it never seems to end. You know, my hotline's been open since 1969. That never stops ringing.
1: The pandemic, has it had anything in terms of impact, in terms of the number of sightings that come your way?
2: Well, actually, I was surprised. I think we talked maybe on a past show that how busy 2018 and then really busy in 2019... And then to my surprise, 2020, even with the virus situation in this area, which has not been good at all, there were continuous reports almost all year until we got into the winter months. But, of course, as normal, year after year, generally in the winter months, the weather is worse, and now we have the virus situation, so you don't get as many reports. But in recent weeks now, we're seeing uh, more reports beginning to come in again. It's been a fascinating time. And I get reports all year round on all type of weather conditions.
1: Well, I say this, if ET is visiting us, they sure don't care too much about her health. (laughs)
2: Well, you know, that's the whole mystery about the UFO phenomenon and a lot of the other phenomena we're dealing with, but particularly with UFOs. You know, when I started this so many years ago, this will be 62 years of research, I've never seen a UFO or Bigfoot myself, interviewed thousands of people, but when I started this many, many years ago, the main focus of attention, the main theory was that these things are all extraterrestrial. And the more I've learned about the phenomena, the more complex it is, talking about this years ago that i think it's very likely that there's more than one origin to the unknown category for the ufo phenomena maybe a small percentage might be extraterrestrial but i think we're dealing with something as much more unusual and for a lack of a better term i think at least some of what we're dealing with is interdimensional
1: we had dr michael masters on the powercast a couple of times and his theory is that time travelers from the future are coming here to pay us a visit what do you think about time travel?
2: Again, that's one of many theories out there, and I've, I've talked about that a little bit. As you dig deep in these cases, and back in the early 70s, when we began to have some very strange cases that come to my attention with both UFOs and Bigfoot and cryptids and other phenomena, that's when I began to realize that something else might be going on here, and it's been going on ever since. And we can get into that quite deeply. But what I wrote about so many years ago in the 70s, now it's getting a huge amount of coverage in the Bigfoot UFO community. There has been several books about this now in the last few years have been published on it. You know, people all talk about the Skinwalker Ranch. But what was going on here in Pennsylvania in the 70s was very, very similar. There are indeed places throughout the country that same type of phenomenon seems to be taking place. So that's something we can discuss as well.
1: Just to mention this, there's an author named Trey Hudson who came out with, with a book about the South's Skinwalker Ranch. He won't give us a location, but he said it is something that is below the Mason-Dixon line, evidently, and it's a place where weird stuff happens.
2: Yeah. Again, this has been going on mm-hmm. for years and years. I, I first noticed it during that massive wave uh, in 1973, but actually it was the year before 1972. And I started getting reports from an area, actually only miles away from where I live, out in the rural area, I would not say a huge area of woods, but a pretty good sized area of woods, but the people had lived there for years, and nothing had happened that all of a sudden, I started getting reports from different residents and people lived around that area who began to report strange screams and howls, something heavy bipedal walking in the woods, then the reports of uh, a, a hairy, very broad-shouldered creature chasing dogs. They began to find footprints. They began to see strange lights. They began to see very small, little lights low to the ground in the trees and near their home. And that's something that began to catch my attention. So 1973 comes around, uh, for your listeners who aren't familiar, I, I should give a little bit of background about this. In 1970, I founded the first of the three volunteer research groups. The first group was the Westmoreland County UFO study group where I'm at here in Greensburg, PA. And the group was kind of unique in that the majority of people involved were some type of specialist. We had scientists, we had engineers, technicians, educators, police officers, former military intelligence people, and everybody, we all did this voluntarily out of our own time and pockets. And I had the group set up that we would respond to cases 24 hours a day. So we would have a team or investigator on the scene, in many cases within minutes to hours after these incidents occurred. And by 1973, we had extended to cover the whole state of Pennsylvania. And to our surprise, we began to get a lot of referrals from the news media, from the state police, from different uh, other agencies. So we were very, very busy. And we are very lucky that we are organized because 1973, first we had the, the biggest UFO wave, I think, ever documented. This went on all year from 1st of January to the end of the year, all across Pennsylvania. There were hundreds and hundreds of UFO reports coming in. And, of course, back then there's no Internet that the local papers and even the national news media times and the statewide news media was picking up in the news about a lot of these cases that were going on. And many of these UFO reports, they were not high altitude lights in the sky. Many of these were low-level, very detailed observations of large structured objects. We had cases where these things were hovering right over the highways, they were chasing cars, there was landing reports i mean it was just an amazing time period just with the ufo reports but then it got better the summer of 1973 we have the largest outbreak of bigfoot sightings ever documented that went on for months and months in the 1974 now, as i recall there have been bigfoot sightings recorded every year since that time but nothing like this outbreak in 73 and the 74
1: with bigfoot now back in the 70s i was working at a radio station just west of Philadelphia, like thirty miles, and I remember here not a lot of UFO cases. And one day, and I think it was seventy-two, seventy-three, Kennett Square, Pennsylvania, near Coatesville, not far from where I lived. UFO, and just it was like an avalanche. I started looking, and everywhere in Pennsylvania, UFOs. Yeah,
2: there was a lot all through that area, all through all through the state of Pennsylvania, not just one particular area. And uh, it, again, it was just an amazing time period. So we were investigating these reports, and um, and they were coming in day and night, and sometimes multiple reports in the same day. And uh, so it was just a fascinating time period. But these Bigfoot sightings, I mean, many of those, as it continues to occur, were not at night. Many were in daylight. Many were close-range observations. In some cases, there was more than one creature seen together. Sometimes two or three of them seen together. In some cases, there was physical evidence at the scene, and um, that was just amazing. But it got much more fascinating, you know, as we're out there investigating. My my thought was, what I knew about Bigfoot, that if these reports are real, and I've talked to a number of people that I believe were telling me the truth, they believe they saw what they saw then these are probably some type of unknown animal, some type of unknown primate. But that's when we began to really see some very strange phenomena, very strange aspects of the phenomena that didn't make any sense. And one of the first things we began to notice is that we would get out to some of these locations, and if under different types of ground conditions, including fresh snow, there would be trails of footprints, generally large footprints, with a very large stride between the tracks that we would follow, and in some cases, they would suddenly stop and vanish and disappear. And there's no possible way, under the conditions we found them, that that could have been fabricated. And then we be- began to get reports from different eyewitnesses in different locations They were reluctant to even tell us this, but they would tell us, for example, that they're looking at this large, hair-covered creature, and these are in daylight. And suddenly, this thing would physically disappear, and seconds later would reappear at another location nearby.
1: Okay, we're going to break here. We're going to break here. We have more with Stan Gordon. Fascinating cases, UFOs, cryptids, and lots more to come. With and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about after the Paracast.
3: If there's a sudden disaster, and you can't get to the grocery store, or they're all out of food, what would you do? You'll wish you had emergency food to get you through the crisis, and that's why we're here. We're MyPatriotSupply.com, America's leading source of emergency food. Our food lasts for up to 25 years, and millions of families trust us for their disaster survival. Won't you join us? Unlike other food companies, we don't skimp on calories. Our meals give you more than 2,000 calories per day. Why? Because that's what you need to survive any challenging crisis. And right now, you can save $200 on our popular three-month emergency food kit. Just go to MyPatriotSupply.com and place your order. We ship fast, two to three days max, and your food arrives discreetly right to your door. So order today and save $200 at MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. Do you want
4: to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamel Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to teamgeday.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's teamgeday.com with Longevity. Teamgaday.com.
5: Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? 92 Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625.
7: 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNLoans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre qualified clients are approved in days. Pre qualify at gcnloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. gcnloans.com.
0: That's gcnloans.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
1: So we're focusing here on not just UFOs, but Bigfoot. Bigfoot being very busy set of creatures out there, so this gets to be the the mystery of Bigfoot, the theory that it's just an animal that maybe we haven't selected the breed yet, and suddenly the tracks disappear. Did anyone capture a cast of these tracks that they can analyze?
2: Oh yeah, we we've, we've made many casts of footprints uh, then and in, in the years over the years many. A lot of pictures were taken. As this was starting in 1973, the cases started at all, and I remember it very well. It was uh, July 31st, 1973, at a rural location only several miles from where I live, outside of Greensburg Pagade. It wasn't far from what was then the Greengate Mall, but it was a pretty rural area back then. There was a lot of woods uh, back that time. Now it's been developed, so it's changed dramatically. But there was this house back there. And I got a call from a a relative of a person who lived in that house, and they told me, you need to contact this person. He's in the hospital. He should be out shortly. But something happened to him, which was July 31st. I got a call, uh, I believe it was August the 7th, which is the day I went out there. Anyhow, they told me that what had happened was, and that was confirmed later on, that this fellow was a warm night, and he was in the bathroom shaving, Uh, He always got up early for work, so he shaved early in the evening. Anyhow, he was shaving that night, and the window was open, but the screen was in. It was a warm night again. He began to smell this funny, rotten odor. He said it was something like rotten cucumber. He wasn't sure how to describe it. And he said he happened to turn and looked at the window, and here in the window were these two huge glowing red eyes staring at him. The wind is eight feet off the ground. He had several dogs right outside there, and the dogs didn't make a sound, and they thought, well, that's really strange. These dogs bark for everything. He ran into the room, started screaming yelling, and some of the other people came out, and they smelled the odor. Whatever was in the window was gone. Well, he ended up in the hospital. He was very, very shook up over it. I went out to interview him a week later, August 7th, and he was still pretty shook up, and I got to do a long interview with him and the family, and I found out that several weeks before, Some of the boys in the neighborhood decide they were going to take a walk over to the mall, so they always take a shortcut through some of the woods around that area. And they're walking down the road, and they hear this commotion in the woods and the brush, and they thought it was a deer. So they start throwing some rocks and pebbles and stuff in to scare the deer out. And to their surprise, there's no deer, but this seven, eight-and-a-half-foot, seven, eight-foot-tall, hair-covered creature with long arms comes out of there and walks across the road up behind the house. So I was able to interview some of those boys and talk to them. I got permission to go up and look on the property, and a few of those fellows asked if they could follow me up, and they did. So we're up there looking around, and I I remember that area up there on this hillside was not real conducive for tracks. And I'm looking around for quite a while, and I was about ready just to end it for the day when I happened to look down, and here's a parcel track, and here's the strangest-looking second track completely intact. Strangest-looking track I'd ever seen. It was 13 inches long, 8 inches wide, and clearly three-toed. So I got on the radio and called one of my associates out, and he came out and we took photographs and measurements and made a cast. While we're there in the field, we get a radio call from one of our investigators um, up north of Pittsburgh who was investigating that morning in the incident where a Bigfoot-type creature nine feet tall was looking in a structure, and the police found large footprints up there. So this was this beginning of this major Bigfoot wave that went on for months and months over widespread areas. It was just an incredible time. But as time went on, I started telling about some of the odd things that begin to show up, well, then we began to see a pattern over a period of weeks. And the pattern was that, one, we would have a UFO sighting in a certain area. Within minutes to hours or days later, we'd have a Bigfoot sighting or vice versa. And then it got much more exciting and much more fascinating when we had these incredible cases where a Bigfoot and a UFO were seen together at the same time and place. And one of the oddest cases that showed up originally one, uh, during a time period, one of the early reports, was in September 73, September 27th actually. And this was uh, north of Pittsburgh, and there were two women <laughs> waiting for a friend to pick them up out in the country. And they see this a large, hair-covered Bigfoot creature with dirty white hair which you don't hear about that often, but they've been reported, including very recently in recent weeks up in this area. And it was strange enough, you see this creature running across the road towards the woods, but in one of its hands, it's carrying a small ball of light. And a short time later, this object comes into the area over top of the trees, projects a beam of light down into the woods where the creature ran into. And from that point on over the weeks ahead, Many, many other very weird reports came in, and and I'm glad to give you some detail on some of those cases if you want to get into that.
8: Absolutely, yes. I think we definitely need to get into that. Before we get into that, though, let's just rewind a little bit and go back to where uh, you were saying that even during the 2020 COVID scare, you were still getting more of these uh, accounts, like what's going on with that? Like, can you give us a couple of those? Some recent ones? Yeah,
2: I'll, I'll give you a. I'll just give you an example of some of the many, many reports that came in January twenty third. This is a man uh, traveling around seventy nine in their, in Washington County outside of Pittsburgh. Serves a great triangular object moving east to west below the cloud layer. Uh, there was one very bright light that appeared to be in front of the object. Looked like a huge bright blue-white LED. That witness could make out the shape and said it was triangular and thick and looked like the design of a stealth bomber. He said there was no navigational lights on the object. He slowed down to get a better look, but it just suddenly vanished from sight and was not seen again. Another researcher, Dan Hagman, up in the Butler Group, the BORU, said he had been receiving during February numerous reports of cylindrical and egg-shaped objects in the county. He said one case involved a cylindrical object moving at a fast speed that came to a sudden stop in a split second, then a sphere emitted from the cylinder, and the two objects moved off in different directions. And, again, I'm just giving you a difference. There were tracks found up on the Chestnut Ridge, and I'm sure we'll be talking about the Chestnut Ridge here in a little bit in much more detail. But that's an area which has a long history, basically year after year, and already this year reports are coming in from that area from different people. In that case, in March, they found a set of smaller footprints, which I've had those as well. They were about 8 to 10 inches long, about 3 to 4 inches wide, and very similar tracks have shown up for years along the Loyal Hannah Creek and all through the ridges up there. Let me see what else we've got here. I had three black panther sightings, which are very intriguing, and they're very, very strange, much more unusual than a lot of people realize. Because, one, yes, they're an out-of-place animal, because when you talk about black panthers, an animal you see in the zoo, typical of a, a leopard or jaguar, not common to this part of the country. But they've been seeing them for years all across the United States and in this part of the country, and they shouldn't be here. But I've also found some very interesting association. With Bigfoot and the Black Panther reports, especially in some of those areas where the phenomena seems to focus on, where unusual phenomena occurs, sometimes more than one cryptid and other phenomena is taking place.
1: We've got Stan Gordon, cryptids, panthers, Bigfoot, all sorts of creatures of the night and the day. With Jeannie Randall, you're in the
9: (laughs)
10: Paracast.
14: MSA Radio News
15: with Dan Naraki. 21 states are seeing a rise in new coronavirus infections as more transmissible variants of the virus are quickly spreading. According to health officials, as much as 30% of the country's infections are from the strain first identified in the United Kingdom. Dr. Abdul al sayed sees a correlation between areas experiencing a rise in cases and the spread of those new variants. The former health commissioner for Detroit tells CNN that the variants are another reason to slow down the speed of states reopening.
6: Where we are seeing spreading across the United States, it's almost always in states that have uh, one variant of concern or another. Whether it's B one one seven here in Michigan uh, or in Florida, or uh, the B five one five two six in 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 the New York and New Jersey area, or B four twenty seven and four twenty nine in California, uh, all of these things uh, should tell us that this is not the time uh, to 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 step on the
15: gas when it comes to reopening. This is USA Radio News. The White House announced its pick for NASA administrator on Friday, tapping former Florida Senator Bill Nelson to head the agency. Nelson became the second sitting member of Congress to travel into space in 1986 when he flew aboard the space shuttle Columbia while a member of the House of Representatives. Acting NASA Administrator Steve Jurczyk tells Fox News that it's very important for the agency to be headed by someone who has an understanding of the inner workings of Congress.
2: So it's really important to have that really good relationship with the administration, including the president and vice president, as well as our um, Authorizing and Appropriations Committee and their staff on Capitol Hill. What we do takes years and decades, and so having that continued support over a fairly large period of time, with the budgets that support the goals and objectives for the
16: agency is, is super important and, uh, and critical for us being successful
2: to do the amazing research, technology development, and missions uh, that we have planned for, for the nation.
15: This is USA Radio News. For
17: over 20 years, Extendivite has been helping people. Here is a testimonial from Amazon.com. Glad I found this product. I am 51 years old and started getting headaches a couple of times a week. I went to the doctor and my blood pressure was a little high at around 150 over 95. I found out about Extendivite and I ordered some to try it. Immediately I felt better and it lowered my blood pressure and my headaches went away almost instant. I have been taking it now for about 4 months and I am so glad I found this product. You won't be disappointed. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P.com. Extend your life with
3: Extendivite.
16: This is Joshua P. Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal. And you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: What can I say? Stan Gordon, carry on.
2: Several very interesting Black Panther reports, several interesting UFO reports. Again, a lot of these are detailed, so we can go into them later on. Now here's an interesting report. Another cryptid. Not sure exactly what he saw, but it's very similar to another report we had received earlier in the year. So now this is up way up in northern PA, up in Jefferson County, and this fellow's hiking in a very thickly wooded, forested area. About 100-200 feet away, he notices this. Now this is not daylight in the afternoon. He notices this very tall figure standing between two trees. The area is very dense and not, uh, not close to any public access. You rarely see any people in these areas. As he continued to watch, he realized that what he was seeing was not human, a deer, or a black bear. He said the creature moved slightly, then took off running at extremely fast down the hillside to its left and did not come near the witness. The witness stated the creature ran faster than any human could possibly run. Even stranger, he did not hear any sound as it moved through the foliage and the rocks. The creature looked to be about 8 to 10 feet tall. General shape of the figure was distinct. The arms and legs were narrow, and the arms appeared to be bent at about a 20-degree angle and held straight out. The arms did not swing as it moved, which I've heard that before in some cases. The witness also mentioned that the entire time he watched this creature, it looked as though it was out of focus. And that's something I'm getting from other people reporting uh, Bigfoot and other cryptids as well. This is another factor that's been showing up more and more over the years that some people are reporting that, yes, in some cases these creatures are physically solid, but in other cases sometimes they look misty, there's a foggy appearance around them, sometimes only part of the body is in focus and some weird cases over the years that sometimes they could see through them or on these certain parts of the body they could see. So this is something that's very strange, but it's not just here. Similar things have been shown up in other parts of the country from what I've heard over the years from other researchers.
8: You know, Gene's going to guess exactly what I'm going to say here. When we're talking about that kind of visual cues, you know, those kinds of visual cues, they sound like these things are some kind of a projection, some sort of a hologram or some sort of active camouflage, because that, that that would explain all of that type of visual cueing. I mean, unless they're chameleon-like and they can completely change their, their tone naturally.
2: It gets stranger and stranger, and I, I wish we could have... Like two or three other researchers from around the country all together on a panel and discuss what they're finding because it's so interesting when when I've done some of this in the past, and some of us don't know each other well, and the similarities of the cases and the details we're getting are so similar. But you also got to remember now, too, in some cases, you've got physical tracks of the creature. Uh, we've had other physical uh, evidence to some of the sites we went into when we had some of these cases going on. It's a lot more complicated than that. And, yes, there are reports of these, and we'll get into this more and more, of these small spheres of light that have been coming into some of cases I investigated going back to the 70s. It's going on more and more. Remember the creature, the Bigfoot carrying the ball of light? Well, now you've got cases all over the country and in Pennsylvania, even in recent weeks, in some of these areas where people are seeing Bigfoot, they're hearing screams, they're finding footprints, but they're seeing these small spheres of light or other type of light phenomena showing up in some of these locations where there's a history of this phenomena going on. As strange as it sounds, there are some reports around the country where these balls of light reportedly of changing the various type of cryptids. It's very, very weird, and it's so beyond our present scientific understanding right now, I don't think anybody understands what's going on.
8: You know, there we go again, though. I mean, maybe what people are seeing, and and this really actually reminds me of of Christopher O'Brien's experience that he had, where he was followed by these kind of strange creatures that he thought were creatures, but... Like, let's let's sort of look at it from the point of view that, well, maybe it's not a creature holding holding a ball of light. Maybe it's a ball of light projecting the image of a creature so that it looks like that, right? And, I mean, even our own technology, you know, I have to bring this up because we can make people – who are playing on stage in the United States, appear to be real and playing on a stage in the UK at the same time. And you would swear they're real, you would swear they're there. So, you know, maybe we've got it backwards. Maybe it's the balls of light that are real and not the creature.
2: Well, here's something I I noticed years ago, and it's ongoing more and more. There's a pattern. And what I found was that many low-level, close-range UFO encounters, and many encounters with Bigfoot and other cri- creatures, cryptids, commonly occur in the vicinity of high-energy sources. So you've got many sightings around radio communication towers, radio, TV, other type of communication towers. You've got sightings around high-tension power lines and power plants, railroad tracks, gas lines, gas wells. goes on and on and on. There's a definite energy connection to it. Now, here's a case that happened outside of Pittsburgh in May of 2019, so it's not that long ago. And this fella happened just to wake up during the night and was looking out his back window, which the whole yard around him was illuminated with artificial lighting, and he sees a small Bigfoot, maybe four and a half to five feet tall, covered with dark hair, long hair on the head and the back. It's walking upright on two legs, the arms were swinging, saw it very clearly, moved with a long stride, And as it moves across the yard, it enters a particular area of the woods. About three seconds later, at the exact position where the creature entered the woods, a bright sphere of light about three to four inches in diameter suddenly appears. And the witness uh, said it was similar to looking into the front of a flashlight about four feet off the ground. And that light moved a short distance for a few seconds and disappeared. A few seconds later, it reappears again, about 10 feet away, and this small sphere emits a long, bright beam of light, about 10 to 12 feet long. A few seconds later, it disappears and it's gone. This, again, is something that we're hearing. But uh, once again, in some of these areas, various people... Over the years, and I I know of two locations of Pennsylvania, and I've been involved in uh, another location in the last uh, month or so, interviewing one of the prime witnesses in northern Pennsylvania, and I've been aware of another property in Fayette County for several years where this is ongoing, and various people in both cases have experienced different things, from these small spheres to UFOs to hows and cries and footprints, paranormal stuff, apparitions, Bigfoot, goes on and on and on.
8: Can we back up just for a second to the Black Panther sightings? I always have to ask this, because in some cases, people have reported that these Black Panthers are just sort of like normal-sized Black Panthers, but other people have reported them as being like as large as like a horse, you know, like enormous creatures. Are these recent ones just sort of your regular kind of Black Panther type thing? Yeah. That Okay.
2: Yeah, They're so. more along the line of something that has a body... Estimated to be about four to five feet long, with a very long, three foot or longer, long curled tail, completely check black in color. I had one case last year. Well, again, I had three of them within a few months. They were all in different areas, all in daylight, and all very, very close. And in the one case, up in the now, this is up in the Laurel Mountains, so this is very close to the Chestnut Ridge here in Southwest PA which, again, is one of the most active areas in the country for all kind of phenomena. But then the Laurel Ridge, sightings continue up through the Laurel Ridge, so this is like parts of Westmoreland, Fayette, Somerset County, a lot of strange things going on up there. But this was in the afternoon. This guy was just out working outside, and there was a building in the rural property, and somebody had left the the main door of the building open. He happened to walk inside to get some equipment, and suddenly this huge black cat it ran from the back of the building past him within 10 feet he got a really good look at this thing and he said what was so interesting was he said he, he could actually hear its paws striking the ground as it ran it sounds as though it was making a fast gallop he, They did find some prints some tracks out there
1: and it was gone More to come with stan and gene and randall you're in the
8: paracast <laughs>
9: Tehibo Tea Club's original Pure Pau Arco Super Tea helps build the red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. A one-pound package of tea is $34.95 plus shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. That's shop, S-H-O-P, super, S-U-P-E-R-T-T-E-A.com. So the complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100. Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5 California time. That's shopsupertea.com at 818-984-6100.
13: This is Marie D. Jones, the author of this book is from the future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: So there's no possibility, Stan Gordon, that these Black Panthers are just conventional felines? I cannot say that. Could there be
2: possibly people who have had an exotic pet like one of those type of animals in the area? Possible, but I can tell you over the years, nobody's ever been able to find any indication that somebody's pet have been released. Now, mountain lions, that's a whole different story. We've had reports of mountain lions, cougars, panthers here in Pennsylvania for years and years. And, of course, in this part of the country, they were common years ago, but they've been officially declared extinct in this part of the country for years. People see them every year. And over the years, there's a very good video of them. I had the police call my team up to Armstrong County years ago when they had a series of mountain lion sightings going on. I had people saw more than one together, which was interesting. And we found a trail of tracks, and I made a cast of a paw print. And without a doubt, there, there are certain features and details within the track that you can tell the difference between a mountain lion and a dog, for example. And there's no doubt in my mind and others will look at it that it was a mountain lion track. But there have been other cases, too, that are very strange. And, and I can tell you this, back in March of 1983, in a suburb of Pittsburgh, of all places, and this made the news, by the way, there was a uh, very interesting case where there was a auto dealership, they had an auto repair center there, and it was a large, heavily wooded area that kind of um, was right behind and connected to that part of the property. That morning, a mechanic was putting a headlight on a car when suddenly this huge Black Panther dives over the fence and dives right next to the car he's working on and lands there with a dead animal in its mouth a few feet away. And it's basically staring at him, making a growling sound. He could smell it. It was so putrid. And the thing turns and dives back over to the car and goes back in the woods, and other people saw a smaller one and a larger one. They called out the Pittsburgh police. They ended up having a very large search with tranquilizer guns and animal protectors and police department. They searched and searched and never found a thing could not find where it had escaped from, where it was missing from, never did, and it was a very interesting case. But I'm going to tell you now about the case that really intrigued me and made you realize that, again, there's more to this than meets the eye. And this happened back in February of 83 up in Fayette County. So Fayette County it continues to be one of the most active areas in the country, and some of that area is along that Chestnut Ridge. So the Chestnut Ridge is a mountain range that runs through Westmoreland, Fayette, Indiana County, and in Southwest PA, and extends down to outside of Preston County, West Virginia, outside of Morgantown, West Virginia. It's probably a little less than 100 miles along, somewhere around there, and it is probably one of the most active areas year after year for all kind of phenomena, especially in the Pennsylvania side. And it's just amazing. So this happened up in Fayette County. I interviewed this fellow back years ago. He was coming home, I believe, from work one night around 1 o'clock in the morning. It was cold out. His car was overheating. Pulled into his driveway and went in the garage to get some antifreeze. He opened up the hood of the car. He hears a growl. So he turns around and looks, and there's this, about 20 feet away, there's this large black house cat. It's just sitting there, growling at him, and he didn't pay much attention to it, and he went back to put some more antifreeze in the car, and a short time later, he hears a, a second growl, but this time the growl is much deeper and much louder. He turns and looks, and to his surprise and amazement, that large house cat has now physically grown in size, and it's about a foot larger in size. He throws the empty antifreeze jug at the animal, which he hit, and it growled at him fiercely. It's like it was going to attack him. It took two or three steps backward, then ground again, and it began to move up the road. The street had lights on. It was aluminum. The fellow ran aside and grabbed his pistol, and he came up and took one shot at it. And when he looked at that point, he said, this thing now had physically grown, and it looked like what you would call a black panther, like you would see in a zoo. But he said, now it had luminous, glowing yellow eyes. The body was two to three feet long and a tail was swishing around and it appeared as long as the body. And he said, as he's watching this thing, it suddenly vanishes and disappears right in front of him and it's gone.
8: That doesn't sound like just your everyday, you know, escaped house pet for sure. But Gene's question still, I mean, some of these have, are probably that though, right? Like there probably is mundane explanations out there for some of these things. And, you know, I got to ask you about yeah, there there are escaped monkeys and stuff out of Florida. There's a grade eight preserve down there in Florida. That whole range and runs all the way up the coast up there. I mean, have you made an effort to look into these cases to see which ones are maybe just regular animals that people are mistaking or ones that are truly weird? Like that last story is pretty weird.
2: I mean, there are many many misidentifications of animals, even with Bigfoot. I've had cases where they turn out to be bear. They turn out to be large, very big, shaggy dogs. Some turned out to be over the years hunters in camouflage outfits. So, sure, there's a misidentification. And then, yes, there's animals. And with sounds, it's very hard to determine, except sometimes I've interviewed outdoorsmen and hunters have a lot of experience. They're familiar with the sounds of all type of the animals down here, from this really weird sound rabbits can make to uh, just coyotes and other animals in this area. And they they swear that what they've been hearing is completely different. And many of them tell me about the, the overpowering vocalization, the strange sounds that they've heard. Uh, and this is going on more and more as recent as last night. I got a report from outside of Pittsburgh. So there's a lot of things you can explain. And that's always been my position, to try to explain these things. But when you begin to see there's a pattern, and there's a pattern with the Black Panthers. And I'll give you another example. I believe it was 1979. This is on the border of Westmore and Armstrong County in Pennsylvania here. And a series of incidents began in this localized area, this large rural area. It happened after some kind of a strange object was seen one afternoon falling from the sky into the woods. And soon after that, the people around there began to report screams and cries and howls and seeing Bigfoot and seeing UFOs and a lot of weird things were going on. But besides the Bigfoot reports, the residents began to report Black Panthers in the area as well. And this was actually being covered at some point by Pittsburgh area radio, TV, newspapers. This went on for months and months until at least a few years. And I've been in touch with people down that area now, even the last few years, and there's all reports of activity going on and some very strange things occurring again now. And you talk to other investigators like Nick uh, Redfern and others who have investigated studies in the United States and, and Europe, and he has other cases, of these black panthers, these huge cats, that behave very strangely and show up in these areas where a lot of phenomena is occurring.
8: It's almost like, well, you know, if we are dealing with something alien and they do have that capacity to be able to uh, camouflage themselves, yeah, you know, they've just picked the wrong creature for the for the area. They should be using that one down in South America or Central America where those cats naturally live. You know, it's like they just get it wrong or something.
2: Well, none of it makes any sense. I mean, the more you look into it, I said years and years ago, the phenomenon is so strange, it protects itself. It is so bizarre. And for most people, if you don't experience yourself, it's hard to believe. And, And the witnesses I deal with on a regular basis, people calling in here, people I interviewed over the years, I mean, people from all walks of life, I mean, professionals and educators and police officers and hunters, very experienced hunters and that, and they see some of these things that they never would have believed existed until they had their own encounter. And in recent years, I've sat down face-to-face with some of these guys, and some of these guys had tears coming out of their eyes. They just could not believe that they saw what they saw. They've heard the stories. They never believed it, and their lives are changed. And this phenomenon is so much stranger. A lot of it makes absolutely no sense. It's so beyond our understanding right now. But when you have so many people who don't know each other, have no reason to make up the story, they want no publicity, they just want to find out what's going on, why would you make these stories up?
8: Well, oh, I, you know, don't get me wrong here. I'm a believer that strange things happen in the world. I've, I've experienced enough strange stuff myself that, uh, you know, I <laughs> certainly am not going to be too critical of other people who seem to be sincerely relaying a, a really – a strange in, encounter with something out in the world that's for sure at this so you know but it, it's sort of it you still got to realize that that there are these mistakes and misidentifications there there's got to be the, the odd hoax um and you, and to be thought of as a credible researcher if if we're not prepared to ask those harder questions then it's not very likely that we're going to be taken too seriously it's it's hard enough to get taken seriously as it is
1: as it so. is, we have this announcement coming up. Then we'll have more with Stan Gordon, Gene Steinberg, Jay Randall Murphy. And by the way, Stan will hang out for after the Paracast, our special show for those who subscribe to the Paracast Plus. You're in. The Paracast.
11: Thank you for listening to GCN.
1: and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the Paracast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. The following is
16: a paid announcement. The advertiser was paid a marketing fee for a digital campaign. Please make sure to review our disclaimer
7: on our report page. The new year is here, and the time is now to capitalize on the gold stocks boom in the U.S. markets. More stimulus and higher inflation could potentially drive gold prices to record highs in 2021. And with gold exploration stocks poised to skyrocket in the coming months, you have an opportunity to position your trades with red-hot gold exploration stock opportunities. Text the word GOLD to 48542. Get front row access to market and When you text the word GOLD to 48542 and to set your investment research strategy to hyper growth mode with your free subscription to the gold market research report, text GOLD to 48542 and have this red hot intelligence delivered directly to your mobile device so you can make decisions as market conditions change. If you're interested in our hit list of the most promising gold exploration stocks, then text the word GOLD to 48542 and don't get left behind in 2021. Text GOLD to 48542.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: Yeah, just think that we're in our 16th year of the Paracast and we're going strong. And one of our most interesting regulars in the show, of course, is Stan Gordon from Pennsylvania. We're talking about strange creatures of the night and what they might be and where they might be coming from. It almost reminds me of that TV show you might have seen, Primeval, where they had these dimensional portals, and prehistoric creatures were popping through the portals and invading some part of England, like Cardiff or something. Now, understand that we're not talking here about the possibility that we're seeing prehistoric creatures, but what if a creature accidentally pops through this portal and then returns home at some point in time. Is that any part of what we might be seeing? Certainly one of the possibilities. Stan, let us continue.
2: A lot of people uh, are reporting that these things, they suddenly appear out of nowhere. Then they get a pretty good look at them. Each case is different. Some of these encounters on the last seconds where these things walk out right in front of a car and they're gone. I remember one witness I talked to, I believe it was about two years ago, a uh, couple going to work early in the morning on a back road, and she said it was like watching a movie, just like watching a movie. And she said it was unbelievable. She said this thing suddenly appears out of nowhere. She said it's eight foot tall, covered from head to toe with hair and long arms. I can see it from head to toe. It moves by the car, and it's gone. This is something we hear more and more. It's as though these things suddenly come into our physical reality. They're here and they're gone. They come and they go. That's what I'm getting from so many different people. And, again, it's not just with Bigfoot. It's other cryptids as well. You know, we talk about, you just mentioned prehistoric. Well, I don't know if we can put this exact in that category, but another phenomenon I've been dealing with for years, and they're reported year after year again, are these Thunderbird reports. And it's the same thing. And some of these areas where you get these other cryptids and other phenomena, you get these reports of these huge flying creatures that keep showing up. And while I put them under the category of Thunderbird, there are similarities, but there are differences. So, for example, a lot of these typical Thunderbird reports, they look like huge, overgrown turkey vultures. Generally, dark brown or black in color. You know, just like with UFO sightings, it's very difficult to judge altitude and size. But in some cases... These huge flying creatures are low to the ground, and I've had instances where they've actually been on the road. They've been on the ground with their wings completely open. So you've got a pretty good idea of wingspan. And there was one case a number of years ago, probably I think around 2007, in neighboring West Virginia, where a fellow was riding down a, this two-lane road early in the morning, and he had to hit his brakes real hard. Because here's this huge giant bird on the road eating roadkill. And he said this thing easily was four, four and a half feet tall. It was taller than the top of the, of the roof of his vehicle. It was so big, it was it was flapping its wings, trying to get off the ground, like hopping from one leg to another. It was so heavy, you could barely do it. And finally, it got off the ground and rose above the trees and was gone. But as it's flapping its wings... He's seeing the wingtips on both sides of the road, and he's seeing dust and dirt going up, and he could see exactly how long they were. He went back the next day to measure the width of the road. It was 21 feet across. And, of course, there's nothing like that living today. And it gets stranger and stranger. You've got lots of reports like that. I love those
8: kind of reports. Like I remember there was, you might remember some of these, too. I think they were out of Alaska. They were being reported by bush pilots. Yes, And th- and those guys know, you know, how big things are in and around them. They're, I mean, they have to really know how to fly those planes. And he said that this thing was, like, almost as big as his bush plane. And and you can see it plain as day. which is just, like, flying out there along next to him.
2: Yeah. And, and I had a witness who I would say was a bird expert. He studied birds all his life. Uh, Orthodologist, uh, an amateur one, but he knew a lot about them. He had seen this um in, a, in an area here in southwest Pennsylvania a few years ago in the afternoon. And he said, I could not believe what I'm seeing. He said, I've studied birds all my life. He said, I know birds. I know birds of Pennsylvania. He said, I went back and went through all my bird books for several days before he called me. And he said, because I still can't believe I saw what I saw. But he said, when I look up and see this thing, my first thought was there was a piper cub that was coming in. <laughs> it was getting very low, and he said, all of a sudden, it began to flap its wings, and I realized this was not an airplane, and I've heard that from other people. Then the reports get stranger. Then there's a whole different category of people seeing these huge, leathery-skinned, almost like huge, giant bats with huge wingspans. We've had reports like these. I had There was one case from um, north of Pittsburgh. This is uh 2008, I believe it was in the afternoon where one of the uh, researchers I'm involved with, uh, Jim Brown, got reports that this thing had come down very low over this major uh, Route 40, and people were stopping their cars and getting out to watch this thing. It was about 100 feet up on the first side. It came down within 20 feet. And they said one guy said, I ran in my car, he said the thing was so big I was afraid it was gonna pick me off the road. And one guy was standing out there taking pictures of it, but whoever it was, he's never come forward. He could have been just passing through on the interstate. We we never heard from the guy. And then you've got another category where these things are reluctant as a witness to say it, and some of these people I interviewed, believe me, they are educated, they're professionals, they had no reason to make up this story again, they don't even want to talk about it in most cases, they swear what they saw was prehistoric. And some of the descriptions are very detailed, they're describing pterodactyls or pteratorians, and they swear they saw what they saw.
8: Yeah, pteratorians are really cool. They're more like a bird, and in in the... uh pterosaurs or the pterodactyls they're the ones with the uh, leathery wings i mean they're both pretty cool but there was some guy in california who made a drone pterodactyl and he was mm-hmm. flying it around over the beach and stuff yeah you can find that i mean so
2: you gotta look at these reports and some of these again for from years ago long before you had some of this technology and some of these people have seen them not far away Not in the distance. I've seen the kites flying around out there. This is not what they're describing. These things were right in front of them, in front of the road, right over top of their car. They were seeing these things at extremely close range, very detailed. Here's here's an interesting report, by the way, from last year. And, again, this is a credible person. And this happened on Thanksgiving Day of last year in Maryland. And the person's riding down the road. And about 50 to 70 yards away on the opposite side of the road, standing in the middle of the road, is this huge, giant, oversized bird. The driver pulled off the road and got out of the car to take a better look at it. The creature did not seem to realize it was being observed and did not look towards the witness. The bird was estimated to stand at least four feet tall. The color of the entire creature as well as the feathers appeared to be a brownish gray. The wings seemed to stay in place and not move around much. The feature that really stood out was the wingspan. The wings were spread out, and the observer estimated they took up about 80% of the width of the road. The road width was about 16 to 20 feet across. The witness could not tell what the creature was doing since it was observed from the uh, rear view. The witness so startled... By what was seen, unfortunately, didn't take a picture of it. While the creature was there, two men in a large utility truck approached the area. They also stopped and were looking at the bird. They were still there when the initial witness left the area and continued down the road. The witness is a very experienced hunter, quite familiar with the birds of Maryland, and this was something that was very, very unusual.
8: Wow. I mean, you you might think you'd be tempted to wrestle the thing down or something, but I mean, the bird that big—I mean, even a Canada goose can break a guy's arm. So, you know, it's, I, I I don't know if I'd want to get too close, really.
2: Right. And but again, what's interesting is just like with Bigfoot, just like with UFOs, you can be in a just riding down the road and be in the right place or right time and having an encounter, but. Then you've got this other series of events where the phenomena seems to target or focus a particular geographical area. So you've got these farms and these other properties around the country and here in Pennsylvania where the phenomena for whatever reason seems to focus on and all these other strange things continue to occur. And sometimes thunderbirds, these big bird sightings, appear in those areas while other things are going on as well.
1: Okay, let's get more into this, our next segment, these so called window areas that seem to attract or be places where lots of weird stuff goes on. I don't know of an area like that near here, but then I'm not near anything these days. More to come with Gene, Randall, and Stan. You're in The Paracast. Hey, listeners. To learn more about Paracast Plus. The stress levels of Americans may be at an
18: all-time high. From education to business to basic needs to politics, the 2020 pandemic-related stressors are pushing many of us to near breaking point. That's why you should consider the stress and pain-relieving products from sunny-bay.com. Like our lavender neck wraps and pads infused with premium Washington lavender buds. They relieve tension and relax with a soothing scent of lavender. And lifestyle expert Jennifer Bonner recommends products from Sunny Bay.
13: Sunny Bay's hands-free neck wrap should be be your go-to pain relief solution
18: give gifts to family and friends that relieve stress and pain give love and care by giving the best give pillows neck wraps and body wraps from sunny-bay.com a biomed db design company just click sunny-bay.com that's sunny-bay.com
4: want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamel Bookaboo from teamgaday.com and the GCN Youngevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to teamgaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's teamgaday.com with Younggevity. teamgaday.com.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
1: So much of this reminds me, and you didn't hear the episode, Stan Gordon, of last week when we had Trey Hudson, where he was talking about strange things happening in this Area he calls the Meadow, kind of a Skinwalker Ranch kind of place. Randall, you had further questions of Stan?
8: Oh, we're doing really good. I mean, I just absolutely love it when you're on the show, Stan, because these stories are just so fascinating. Actually, Gene, you know, this sounds like I wonder if we're dealing with like the same kind of region as Trey. It sounds like it. I mean, it fits the description in a lot of cases. So you know, why not? Have you, have you ever talked to Trey Hudson, Stan, I
2: have not. I have not. Again, that's what's so interesting because, you know, I, I've done some shows where we've got other researchers on of, of talking about investigating similar things. And when we get together, in a lot of cases, we don't know each other and we're coming up with such similarities and, and the same kind of patterns as things are showing up. And yeah, this, this is what's going on. And I'd like to talk to them so they'd be interested.
8: Definitely. Well, we'll, uh, forward you along, uh, Trades information because I think, yeah, you know, if you guys teamed up, you might really be able to come up with something because those guys go out there with all kinds of equipment and they've got military training and they've got radios and night vision and all that stuff. And so, I mean, who knows what you might be able to come up with.
2: And and that's what my team did for years. But you got to remember now, we're back in the early days of the seventies. So there was a lot of equipment not available. A lot of my, my guys in a group because of their backgrounds, we've been on night vision equipment uh, we had radiation equipment, and you know we we had some pretty good stuff for what we, what was available at the time period. So this is what we were doing then, and that's when we began to realize a lot of this phenomenon was ongoing, and it's still ongoing. But um, and another thing that began to show up years ago that I started talking about and the writing about years ago, I started investigating these reports of what I call mini UFOs back in the nineteen sixties. These reports continue to occur. And these mini UFOs are really fascinating because, one, a lot of people don't even talk about them or know about them, and now we're starting to see this association in the Bigfoot field with this stuff going on. And, uh, I noticed back in the early 70s, and now it's going on more and more, as, as recent as re- recent weeks here in Pennsylvania, and I hear about this stuff around the country year after year anymore. And um, But these mini UFOs, they're generally anywhere from a few inches to about a foot or two in diameter. So they're generally spherical. However, they are not always spherical. That's what's kind of interesting. They're not always spherical. What's very intriguing is the fact that they're not high in the sky, but they're very commonly close to the ground. And they commonly approach people very close. I've had incidents where they've entered people's homes and cars through open windows uh, I had one case uh, a number of years ago up near Penn State. In a beautiful afternoon, this guy's riding down the road in this nice truck. The passenger side window's down, and as he looks to the right, he sees this small sphere. I think it was about as big as a uh, baseball, somewhere around there. I double that, maybe a tennis ball. And suddenly this sphere enters into the cab of his truck. It's floating all around. It's floating next to him. It floats around his legs. And finally it goes right out to the bed of the truck and disappears.
1: That certainly must feel like a really weird thing. What you're talking about here, Stan, sounds like drones of some sort, doesn't it?
2: Well, again, you're going back to the 1960s. Maybe these are some type of remote control device that's sending back data to somewhere else or something else. Again, the more I know about these reports coming in, I'm not sure what we're dealing with because you've got these strange reports now of, of Bigfoot and these small spheres of light. You're getting reports around the country from other researchers as weird as it sounds that sometimes these balls of light change into other forms, possibly cryptids. We've heard reports of cryptids changing into other cryptids. It is so weird and so bizarre out there that most people wouldn't believe it unless they saw it themselves.
8: Right, and some of these early reports, too. Like, my older brother and his wife, they saw a UFO here in Calgary. And on the same night, they had one of these little mini UFOs, just a little tiny thing like the size of a marble. And it came like zipping and it was it came into their car and it was like sort of zipping around inside their car. And we don't get fireflies up here and stuff like that. And so, you know, they were really freaked out by it. And so that was way before I think we had any kind of technology that could do that kind of stuff.
2: Exactly. And, and if you read my Solid Invasion book, where I get into that massive wave and all the weird things of 73 in Pennsylvania, and I mention Firefly, at that area in 72 outside of Greensburg, where all these things are going on, people said some of these were very small, like big fireflies in their trees and in their bushes, very low to the ground. And in recent years, Bigfoot investigators in Pennsylvania here have told me they have been out investigating Bigfoot Instead of Bigfoot, they're seeing these strange spheres of light or other weird light phenomena. One of them was telling me about this huge swarm of, like, maybe hundreds of fireflies, but larger than fireflies, and they were swarming, and the interesting thing was they would illuminate the whole surrounding area as they moved and as I recall, he said he tried, he began to move in their direction, and they would move away from him. They wouldn't come near him as he got close, so they moved off. But they were came down low in the trees and, and approached pretty close, and then they moved off. So this firefly description has been reported before.
8: Speaking of silent invasion, we've got a question in our forum here from Kanakaris. People can visit our community forums at theparacast.com. And uh, post up questions for our guests if they uh, want to get some more details. And he says, just finished reading your excellent Silent Invasion book. Could you tell us more about the government's actions, like the opening of letters, the disappearing of mail or, or phone tapping? And was this only during your stay in Pennsylvania for the book or later on, too? Sounds like you've had some interesting uh, maybe surveillance going on with your, uh, work.
2: Well, yeah, there's been some interesting things that happened over the years. And, and I first noticed it when I was involved in the investigation of, of the, of Kecksburg UFO crash. And I was 16 years old back in 1965 when the Kecksburg UFO incident occurred. And, um, uh, On occasion, I'm still getting some leads on the case, even though nothing is going to change the data we have, but they're just other people who are verifying other people's statements and reports. But um, as I recall, it was 1987 when we found our first eyewitness to the object in Kecksburg that was on the ground. And how that happened was I had... uh, I was holding a, a very large public display at one of our local malls here, which it was a huge event. I mean, it was a very, very big event. We brought in thousands and thousands of people to the mall. And, I mean, we had big displays, and there were a lot of people walking around, and it was just very lucky that in August of 87, a man and his family happened to walk by one of our tables, and we just had a little display on Kecksburg at the time because we had the information, but not a huge amount of information at the time. And... This fellow was listening at one of my associates was talking to somebody else. I was out for lunch at the time, and they're talking about the Kexburg case. And this fellow says, "Excuse me, but are you talking about that thing that happened in Kexburg?" And they said, "Yes." he said, "I was on the search team that found the object."
1: Oh, let's course- just make a cliffhanger here, guys. More to come with Gene Randall and Stan. You're in
3: the Paracast. <laughs>
11: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
19: We've all seen and perhaps used the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you noticed how it dries your skin, and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam, meeting or exceeding all requirements set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration. Come to GCNteam.com, keyword antibacterial, or call 877-878-4203.
15: USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. A rally was held in Manhattan Saturday calling for New York Governor Andrew Cuomo to be impeached. A day after a current member of the governor's staff accused him of harassment. The aide, Alyssa McGrath, becomes the eighth woman to accuse the governor of inappropriate behavior. Democratic New York State Senator John Liu tells Fox News that Cuomo is no longer capable of governing amid misconduct allegations and the pandemic.
6: This is a clear pattern with eight women coming forth. Uh, one was enough, but eight is clearly enough. And Uh, At this rate, who knows how many more will come. The point here is that uh, this person is no longer in a capacity to lead and to govern the state of New York, where we still have an ongoing pandemic. There's a crisis going on. We're trying to roll out vaccines. And there are so many other issues, including not the least of which a state budget for the fiscal year
16: beginning in less than two weeks.
15: This is USA Radio News. President Biden earlier this week adjusted his goal for vaccinations against COVID in his first 100 days in office. His initial goal of 100 million shots was reached this week, with the president telling reporters on Friday that the U.S. may be able to double that. Dr. Celine Gounder believes that's achievable. The infectious disease expert and epidemiologist tells CNN that that vaccination efforts have ramped up to the point that reaching 200 million shots is very possible.
13: I think that has been shown to be an eminently reachable goal. They've now hit 2 to 3 million shots in arms per day on average. Uh, And the fact that we've already hit essentially 100 million doses in arms in the first half of that hundred days, I think we really can do this. One in four Americans has now received at least one dose of vaccine. One in eight Americans has been fully vaccinated. So, you know, I think that's really a testament to all of the hard work that's been done to dramatically scale up vaccination.
14: This is USA Radio News. health insurance hotline today learn how this 10 minute call can help you get lower health insurance rates this is a free service to help consumers learn the laws to help them qualify for lower health insurance rates so call right now to learn more 800-670-0946 800-670-0946 call 800-670-0946 800-670-0946
21: hi this is bryce abel i'm the producer of dark skies the co-author of ad after disclosure and you are listening to the paracast the gold standard of paranormal
1: radio so as san gordon says that this person comes up and said he was on the search team for Kecksburg?
2: Well, let me go a little further. So anyhow, they called me to come over to talk with him, and we pulled him over the side and we started talking to him. And later we did extensive interviews with him. I got to know him very well over the years and his family. Anyhow, that witness was a, a young teenage volunteer fireman at the time. He was not from Kecksburg. He was from another volunteer fire department here in Westmoreland County because what I later found out was that as reports are coming in from widespread areas that this brilliant fiery object came in from the greater Pittsburgh area over Westmoreland County where Kecksburg is in this area... Multitudes of people were calling and reporting seeing this object. Some people thought it was an aircraft that was on fire, and some people around Kecksburg thought it was a possible plane crash, a possible downed aircraft in the Kecksburg area. So they call out the volunteer fire departments, and they're out there looking for a, a possible downed aircraft. So this witness is a young fireman in one of the mutual aid volunteer fire departments that is coming into Kecksburg to help as part of the search for a downed aircraft. And what his story was that he and his crew go out on their truck, they meet numerous other firemen from other fire departments which they didn't know, they had a map and they were going to set up a grid search in a large wooded area to search for this possible downed aircraft. Anyhow, they put him in the trucks, they have walkie-talkies, they, they set him uh, out to do the search and they, they drop them off in different areas to go up into the woods to begin the search. And this witness is telling us his long story, which later other people were able to confirm and verify a lot of the details from what happened that night. And actually it came down about 4.47 p.m., just as getting dark in the area. So the search is going on, of course, a little later after that. Anyhow, they get a call on the radio that one of the other teams found where the object fell. So he's going out with his team, expecting to find a downed aircraft. And as they walk over, they see these several other farmers on this little little embankment looking down, and right there in front of him, a few feet away, is this very large, solid, metallic, acorn-shaped object, semi-buried in the ground. Now, this witness was a machinist most of his life. He worked with metals, and he told me years later, after I talked to him, he said, I never saw metal like this in my life. It was kind of an off-gold bronze color. But he said, this object, it looked like somebody who took liquid metal and poured it to an acorn-shaped mold. There's no weld marks, no seams, no ribbon marks on it. And on the raised up back of the object, and you see like on an acorn, he said, he called it the bumper area. There were these raised up markings off the surface that he said looked more like symbols than any type of writing. And luckily, because of his background, his heritage, he was familiar with Cyrillic, and he said it was not that. It was not Soviet, it wasn't Russian, of course, Soviet at that time. And he said, that's not what it was. It looked more like some type of symbol. And over the years, because of what he tried to remember from his memory, what some of these symbols may have looked like, he said the closest thing that he saw looked similar to ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics. But anyhow, the rest of the story with him is, they got a good look at this thing. They knew whatever this was. It was not a normal aircraft. He believed that it was something that was very strange and unusual and not from here, they're studying this thing when suddenly two men in trench coats come down through the woods. Very One was very stern. Right behind them were soldiers. The two men in the trench coats look around, and one yells and tells them, everybody out of here right now, this, hour, this area is now quarantined. They made them go find their way back to Kecksburg out of the woods to walk back, even though they weren't familiar with the area. And right behind them are the soldiers behind the guys in the trench coats. The witness said they were so close to each other, they shined their flashlight beams on each other as they're passing by. There's a lot more to that story. But anyhow, the newspapers over the years have been doing some periodic reports on the investigation on Kecksburg because it was a big local uh, story, and it went national over a period of time. So here a story breaks in the paper, 1987, that now we had the first eyewitness to this object uh, on the ground. And that's when some odd things began to happen. One thing was I, we had uh, one of our relatives was staying here temporarily, and I had phones upstairs and downstairs. And as I back then I had two different lines in the house, and I didn't even hear it. But my wife at the time and the relative both told me, they said something strange is going on. They said, you can pick up the phone upstairs, and you can hear every sound downstairs, even a minute pin drop amplified, so you can hear every sound in the house. And then I began to hear it, so it appeared as though someone was monitoring the conversation in the house, as strange as it sounds. And then I began to have all kinds of problems with my, with my mail coming in. And I went to the post office several times, they couldn't explain what was going on. My mail, especially mail from out of the country in different places to me, was being slid over very neatly. There was another situation where my wife happened to be downstairs doing laundry, and some odd things were going on with the telephone at the time. And the man came to the back door and said he was from the phone company. He understood we were having phone troubles. He was going to come in to check it out. She was smart enough to ask him for his identification. He said, I left it in my truck. He never came back. And then it got even weirder. One night in the summertime, it was dark out, and I lived in a residential area. So you could see very easily if something was out of place. And I did not see it. But uh, my wife and and the other person walked out to take a walk. It was a warm evening and I was told there was a white van, I believe, with something like a dish on top, and um, and they had the headlights out, and as soon as they walked out, it took off at high speed with the headlights out. So those are just some of the things that happened in the, in, back in those days.
8: The, that's then, not the least bit suspicious, the white van with the parabolic dish on top that says pizza delivery. You know, like, <laughs> could you disguise it any more effectively.
2: Well, you got to remember again, that's back, uh, back in 1987, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no,
8: I just so think it's funny because, I mean, you hear these kinds of stories, right? And, you know, it's almost like something you'd see on The Simpsons. It's like, you know, they'll, they'll never guess it's, you know, it's us. The parabolic dish is certainly not going to draw any attention.
2: No, so. but then... So then you asked about what happened during the Bigfoot UFO outbreak in 1973. Well, that's when things got interesting again. Um, during that time, again, the, you know, as things were going on, the media began to pick it up. It was making local and national news about the investigations and all these sighting reports. And um, I received a phone call from a fellow that told me he worked for the government, that he was um, very interested in the research that we were doing, And um, he provided me a a name of a laboratory in Washington, D.C., the name of a contact that in the event that uh, we came up with a body or anything very significant that I was to call this number and let them know about it. Well, that never happened. Um, Later on, um, I got a call from um, a a, uh, person who worked for one of the congressmen's office in the area, because they were getting a lot of calls from the public about this. And he asked uh, if he could meet with me. And a few days later, two representatives in a congressman's office came to my house. Um, They were very nice, very, very open-minded, very supportive. And I kept in contact with them for quite a while. And I showed them the phone number I was given from Washington to make the contact. And they confirmed it was a a government uh, phone. And, um, so
8: well, that's team really team. interesting. I mean, did you ever call them to say, "Hey, you know, do you, are you guys really the people who I'm supposed to contact if I've got a, you know, a Bigfoot specimen?" And, you know, do you have you ever had them before? Like, did you ever follow up just to see what these guys do?
2: I I be honest with you, there was so much going on at the time. It was incredible. I mean, I had little sleep. I was out there day and night. It was unbelievable. I, I luckily in my job at the time I had some vacation time coming, so I just was out in the field day and night for weeks, uh, working with my team, and they were out there day and night. I mean, this was it was unbelievable what was going on, and I don't think I ever. I had enough confirmation from when I got that I knew that this was legitimate information, and. Uh, there were so many things we were dealing with, right? It, it was just amazing. I mean, the book goes into great detail about it. There was a lot more going on. It, it was just an amazing time period.
1: Let's break it here. We'll have more to come with Stan Gordon. I have a couple of questions to ask before we get back into all the thousands of case histories he has to offer. What a repository of information. With Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. <laughs>
22: You might be eligible for a CGM with little or no cost to you. Call U.S. Medical Supply today for a free benefits check. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill Medicare or your insurance directly. Call now and say goodbye to finger pricks.
10: 800-880-1896. 800-880-1896. 800-880-1896. That's 800-880-1896.
8: Hastings,
9: author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of
3: paranormal radio.
1: Now, Stan, you mentioned here that your employers allowed you to take time off to chase after strange mysteries. What did they think? I assume you're retired now, right? What did they think of your pursuits?
2: Well, you got to remember now, I started doing this uh, when I was 10 years old, and through high school, you know, the kids there knew about it, and they were interested, and, you know, people realized that I was doing this as, as a skeptical but open-minded investigator, which is what I still do, and I, my position always has been... To try to find a logical explanation, of what people see and experience before, I'm going to say it's something that's unusual, and that's what we've always done. And we continue to do, and there are yes, multitudes of misidentifications, especially of UFOs, but even with cryptids, is misidentification. So our position has always been to try to find out what people are seeing and what they're experiencing, but. Over the years, I'll be honest with you, I've had very, very good support from the general public. I've had very, very good media coverage on this area and they continue to do that. And they've always been very open minded and they've looked in the cases. Some of them done some very thorough investigations over the years of some of the cases I worked on. I've never had any problem doing with this. Everywhere I've gone I've had great support.
8: I find it really interesting just getting back to this phone number, because it implies That there is some government agency or department that is responsible for investigating these things, despite the fact that they still say, well, no, not really. You know, why would they give you a number to a a government agency or department that's supposed to investigate these things if supposedly one doesn't exist? And then that kind of makes you wonder, well, what's going on?
2: Well, it was an agency that was well-known, but it was apparently a contact within the agency or a certain lab. I've never released the name of the lab, and maybe someday I will, but I've never done it for certain reasons. And I think it's very fascinating. But it's indicated to me for a long, long time, and the more cases I've worked on, and there and have been other cases, too, which suggests the possibility that there were, there were some government uh, interests in some of the cases I worked on with both the UFOs and Bigfoot. And I've heard there's some other researchers as well around the country, so I think the government has had a fascination for these phenomena for a long, long time, and they're trying to figure it out.
8: You know, was this contact, like, say, you know, just a, you know, like Agent Mulder's desk at the FBI kind of thing, or was it an, an actual, do you think, a, a, a
2: department
8: that deals with it?
2: I, I think it was... Probably uh, a, client, a person within that organization, within that the agency, that would deal with those type of reports or be interested in them. But apparently apparently they were aware of what was going on and were interested in learning more. And if we came up with something, they were interested in taking a look at it.
1: You know, when you talk about this, about ongoing interest by the government in UFOs, I think about the Pentagon UAP task force which has the mission here, according to the previous stimulus bill, not the current one, to give a report by six months after the bill was signed to law, which would be like late June of this year, 2021. But when you hear what is said about this, this particular group, for example, only appears to be concerned as to whether the sightings they've looked into present a threat to the U.S., which means maybe they're looking for the Chinese or Russians, they're not interested in E.T. But it also seems when you look into the current UFO articles and interests and everything that they have no awareness of all this going on through the years. So the question here is, is this a red herring? Is this just some kind of excuse to divert someone's attention from the real UFO study?
2: Well, you know, when this all came out, and I was watching it pretty closely for quite a while, what they were dealing with, they're focusing on the pilot reports, the military reports, but they're not even showing any concern for these ongoing cases that are going on year after year. And many of these sightings reports that I'm investigating are over major cities and populated areas. They're low-level sightings. I mean, they're just incredible. And these are going on year after year, last year, and the years before, several years before. And for years and years past, I've investigated multitudes of reports that you cannot easily dismiss and explain away. And these are the kind of things that should be looked into. Why is there no concern over these ongoing reports that are happening throughout the country and around the world? Let me give you one example. This is is one of my favorite cases in more recent years. June 1st of 2013, this is North Huntington Township, probably 20-some miles outside of Pittsburgh. This is Route 30, a major four-lane highway. The witness involved, I spent a lot of time with with this person, very credible, educated person. She has a three-year-old child with her in the vehicle. It's around 10 o'clock at night. She's moving Route 30 eastbound towards Adamsburg, and... She's riding down the road, and suddenly she has to stop and brake right in the middle of Route 30. And she said to me, she said, I couldn't believe it. She said, I'm the only car around. There's cars way in front of me. There's cars way behind me. There's nobody near me at the time. She said, I had to suddenly brake because here's this huge object very low over top of the road, and it's right over top of the highway, and I had to stop him in it. I couldn't believe what I'm seeing. And her three-year-old child yells, Mommy, flying iPad in the sky. (laughs) Uh, But anyhow, she's riding down the road. He says, no other cars around, and this thing is about 150 feet away at first, but then she moves closer. She said, this thing is completely silent. It's hovering about 60 feet above the road. Described this thing as looking mostly rectangular. Looks like a gondola of a blimp without the blimp. It's about 55 feet in length, about 35 to 40 feet tall. He said it was two-tiered. And the top section was made up of five sets of green lights. There were three individual rectangular lights in each set. The five sets of lights were all evenly spaced in a vertical position. The lights were all steady with no blinking. The witness said the green was a brighter than green color of a traffic light. The bottom section of the object was smaller in size, contained within it two long, solid red lights that were placed side by side. The lights were steady and never blinked. They gave the witness the impression of looking like brake lights, but they were huge. She was on the cell phone at the time. She had to pass underneath the object to get to her house. So as she goes under the object... She notices that the digital display on her car dash, the clock, the temperature gauge, the airbag status gauge, the radio, the FM radio was on, she lost her radio signal, the Bluetooth suddenly connection suddenly blacked out. She lost her cell phone signal. She tried to take a picture with her iPhone, but the camera function would not work, would not let her take a picture. As she drives down the road about a half a mile away, all the electronics came back on. And she was very, very shook up. And her car was relatively new. And she told me later on, she said, my car never worked right at all after that night.
1: Let me ask you a question here about that car. Was it checked by a repair person to see what was going on?
2: I, I, I know she told me she did. I cannot remember exactly what this bow, but I know she ended up getting rid of it after a period of time. I don't remember exactly what it was. Um, we checked it, uh, I think it was a day or two after I got the information of this thing. We went and checked the magnetic field on it and radiation levels. Everything was pretty much normal at that time, After, but that was a couple of days later.
8: Right. So, so this uh, UFO, uh, the child described it as like a flying iPad, but it sounded like you were describing it as something circular. Uh, which was it?
2: It was more rectangular, she said. Like oh, more of a rectangle. And in recent years, we're getting more and more reports of these huge, solid, rectangular objects, very low off the ground, in some cases in daylight.
1: You know, that almost sounds like the TV show Debris, where this objects, these various objects that came from a spaceship that broke up and had mysterious capabilities, and one phenomenon was... A thin rectangle, which was almost like a floating dimensional portal in which people were trapped and in which time seemed to pass very slowly. So when they were finally freed without giving you the plot line completely or do the spoiler, some of them were in there for decades. But like I said, it was a thin rectangle, translucent when it appeared. The TV show, once again, is Debris. It's on, I believe, NBC. And it's produced by one of the producers of Fringe. So you know that our darn thing is weird as heck. And I don't know if anyone else cares about sci-fi shows. I tend to like to watch them. It's a lot of fun. We have Stan Gordon, who's a very busy UFO investigator from Western Pennsylvania he's been at it for decades he'll also be back with the after the paracast podcast so for those of you who haven't subscribed to the Paracast plus to hear that show go to the Plus for more information with gene Randall and Stan you're in the paracast <laughs>
0: Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit Rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Jake
5: was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? 92 hotline now 800-503-8625 800 8625 800 8625
0: Welcome back to the ParaCast the gold standard of paranormal radio And now
1: here's Gene Steinberg rectangular ufos obviously not what i was talking about from the tv show debris Stan, have you seen it or heard of it
2: i've seen bits and pieces of it at times but i haven't seen the whole complete show
1: okay so rectangular it's like big thick object
2: Again, in some of the cases we have, they appear to be large, solid objects. But you know what's so fascinating about some of the UFO reports we've had over the years? Yeah, we have had your typical disk and spherical objects, and then lots of triangular objects, lots of cigar-elongated, I guess you could say tic-tac-shaped objects for years, many in the last few years, some in daylight. I mean, a lot of the UFO reports we're getting, they're not seen at night. They're also seen in daylight, some at very, very close range, which, again, is very interesting. Let me tell you about another really interesting UFO case up on the Chestnut Ridge. This just happened in June of 2019, and there's an interesting little aspect to it. Uh, In the end, it's a little more interesting, that you might catch. The evening of June 4th, there's two people traveling um, on a rural road along the Youngstown side of the Chestnut Ridge. So we're talking outside of Latrobe, Pennsylvania. And that section of the ridge goes over to Youngstown and goes further down, uh, following along the uh, pattern of the ridge. Anyhow, the people are riding in the car, and the passenger suddenly yells out, what are those lights? And the driver was watching the road, of course, and didn't notice them, but she pointed them out, and he pulls over. And what the witness and the passenger described to me was she said, what I saw at first it appeared to be a glass tube cylinder among the bright lights that seemed to be covered with a smoke or haze. The cylinder appeared to be attached to a large V-shaped object with several rows of different colored lights. And the driver uh, pulled the car over and stopped the vehicle so he could get a better look at this thing. And he said they were sitting there, they were just amazed. They could not believe what they're seeing. This thing's completely silent. He said it was over top of the trees, hovering about 60 feet over the trees, and was shaped in a V, made up of numerous small rectangular-shaped white lights. The lights were glowing but would brighten the dim at times. He estimated there could have been 50 or more lights. The object was about 40 to 50 feet in length. Above the smaller lights were four larger round lights that were strobing. They were orange, blue, red, and green in color the brightness of these colors appeared pale compared to the smaller rectangular lights. And these lights seemed to strobe from left to right, and there was one larger light in the middle above them that produced a beam that was scanning the sky above the object. So this thing's hovering there. The driver load his window, and they're listening for sound, and they're getting really, really shook up and frightened, and the thing is silent again. As they're sitting there, and the car's off, the radio is off. The driver states that it was as though the electronic system of the car was having a seizure. He said the radio was off at the time, and they suddenly began to hear this odd clicking sound inside the vehicle, but they were unable to locate where it was coming from. It was not coming from the radio. At the same time, was noticed that the dash lights were dimming on and off with the beat of the clicking sound. The driver also stated that soon after, he was having a problem with the cell phone dropping the signal. They watched this thing for a few minutes, and they became very frightened and very shook up, decided they were leaving the area. They said they were beside themselves. They were very, very shook up. And he said, we didn't even think about taking the picture. We were, we were so amazed what we are watching. The object was still hovering there. As they began to drive down the road about 30 miles an hour, he said in about 30 seconds, After they left that scene, animals started running out of the woods, like a deer ran out of the woods in front of the car. Driver is an experienced hunter and outdoorsman. He said that one deer just stood there dazed and looked confused, looked right at them. And moments later, another deer came running out. Then a bird hit the windshield. Then other animals came out. And then he said... An even stranger animal than that came out. And he said, he's familiar with the native animals around the area, and what he saw startled him. He said, the animal stopped about seven feet in front of his vehicle. The creature was directly in the headlights. He got a good look at it. He knew what it was, but the animal has been declared extirpated in Pennsylvania for years. And what he said he saw was a wolverine. The animal looked directly at the vehicle, was four feet long from tail to snout, had a light brown hair with dark spots, and there was some white, I believe, in the hair, kind of a tan of white hair. It had its mouth open and showed its teeth before running off. Body was thicker than the fissures that have been seen around the area, and he was dumbfounded. Like he said, all these animals seemed confused and frightened. They were all crossing the road as, they, as though to evade something was scaring them. And he said, I'll never forget that strange sight that night. And interestingly, about a year later, another man called me and said, on the same night, he was a few miles away on the other side of the ridge, and a similar object hovered right over top of his vehicle.
8: Wow, that's pretty bizarre. Okay, so a lot of these things seem to be happening out in rural areas. Of of course, you know, sure we get the odd sighting around cities and stuff, but I'm kind of wondering, you know, forests and rural areas can be pretty. Strange, creepy places at the best of times, let alone at night. And are any of these places and events or animals, have they ever been associated with animal mutilations or missing people?
2: The missing people thing is something I'm familiar with hearing the reports. I've read the books. I've talked to Day Politis about this uh, in the past. And I've interviewed hundreds of Bigfoot witnesses in Pennsylvania. In many of them, yes, have occurred around forested areas, but not all of them. And, in fact, in more recent years, we're getting more and more reports in larger areas, in more populated areas where there's not a lot of woods around in some cases. So that is something that's going on more and more. I keep hearing people say, well, Bigfoot, you only see them in the wooded areas, and that's not what's going on. We're getting other reports that it's not the case. Again, some of these sightings are in daylight. They're not all at night. So you do get those kind of reports. But, no, the the missing person thing, it's something that just is not a common factor in the case I worked on in Pennsylvania. Have I looked into abduction reports? Yes, I was probably one of the first in the country to investigate reported abduction reports back in the in the 60s and 70s but those were missing person reports and those people turned up even though they had some missing time experiences let's go back to that
1: no i want to go back to that stand for a few moments about abductions you said you wanted the first to investigate this of course we have the barney and betty hill case in 1961 what was the first case you checked out
2: Oh my gosh! I couldn't even begin to tell you. We we had numerous cases in, in Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh area. Um, probably, let me see. Most of these probably very late sixties, uh, and then in the seventies and the eighties. The, the problem was we we get these reports. We ever have? We had hundreds and hundreds of reports come in year after year. We all had full-time jobs. We had no funding. We're doing this out of our own time and pocket. Most of us had families. There wasn't enough time in the day to investigate some of these cases as thorough as we, as we wanted to. We wish we could. But on some of these abduction cases, you could spend weeks and months in one case. And uh, But some of those people we kept in touch with for years. I mean, there's one person I'm still in touch with today. She was a little girl that was missing and there was a big search for her in the area which is an area which by the way is still active with a lot of strange phenomena going on in another part of the area not on the chestnut ridge and um they had found her sometime later right in the field where they had already searched and that and that person throughout her life began to have paranormal experiences uh, apparitions uh premonitions Later had UFO experiences, a Bigfoot encounter, all kinds, but in some cases her husband was with her, other people would experience it sometimes, but then later her children and then her grandchildren now are experiencing the same thing. And I found that in other cases as well. In some cases, certain people have a lifelong history from the time they're very young who begin to experience various phenomena and they have these encounters throughout their lives. Is it that they have certain abilities that they're able to perceive this phenomena, or is the phenomenon attracted to them for some reason?
10: Well,
8: I don't know, but that's a fascinating case. I mean, that sounds like it could be a book in and of itself.
2: Oh, oh believe me, there, there, there are so many cases. I, it's incredible. I mean, the cases I worked on myself over the years, there's hundreds and
19: hundreds and probably thousands.
1: We've got Stan Gordon, Gene Steinberg, Jay Randall, Murphy, you're in. The Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Name Cheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money back guarantee. Use the coupon code.
0: More at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R O C K O I D S.com.
3: If there's a sudden disaster and you can't get to the grocery store or they're all out of food, what would you do? You wish you had emergency food to get you through the crisis, and that's why we're here. We're MyPatriotSupply.com, America's leading source of emergency food. Our food lasts for up to 25 years, and millions of families trust us for their disaster survival. Won't you join us? Unlike other food companies, we don't skimp on calories. Our meals give you more than 2,000 calories per day. Why? Because that's what you need to survive any challenging crisis. And right now, you can save $200 on our popular three-month emergency food kit. Just go to MyPatriotSupply.com and place your order. We ship fast, two to three days max, and your food arrives discreetly right to your door. So order today and save $200 at MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. All across the country, people are coming together
12: to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, For all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million.
14: If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-296-1252. 800-296-1252. 800-296-1252.
4: 800-296-1252. Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamil Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor Dr. Joel Wallach at Wholesale or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to teamgaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's teamgaday.com with Yongevity. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question
0: about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
1: Speaking of books, do you have any new books on the horizon?
2: I have been working on one. I was hoping to have had it out by now. With all the things going on in the last year with the virus situation being very bad in this area, um, taking care of grandkids, um, getting reports in all the time, doing a lot of interviews and getting involved in other projects, there's not a lot of time. But I'm, I'm making a lot of progress on the book, and if all goes well, I'm hoping in the next few months to get it out.
1: Can you give us an idea what the book's going to contain?
2: It's going to talk about a lot of very bizarre mainly cryptid cases, and a lot of interesting things. Some of the things that people probably have never heard of before, some are very, very creepy, and uh, and I'm still working on it. Uh, Some of these are more recent cases. Uh, There's some very interesting historical cases. So we'll get into uh, the Thunderbirds and the Black Panthers and Bigfoot and other cryptids and a lot of weird things. And, you know, one of the really interesting uh, series of events that happened a few years ago that's another completely different type of entity compared to the numerous ones I work on. But this is interesting. Now, in the last year, I have only heard secondhand accounts like this. I haven't had any first-hand reports. But these kind of reports when what I'm hearing from other investigators are going on more and more around the country. This really started with a um, call I got from a police officer back in uh, August of 2017, he had um, encountered something very, very strange on patrol, and, he, and I heard from him soon after. It's a very, very strange report, and it's not unique now either. And uh, he was here in Pennsylvania riding in a rural area that he normally patrolled, and he notices as he's riding down this back road, there's a ball of light on the ground. And he stops his patrol car because he's thinking, I don't remember any kind of artificial lighting or anything on the ground like that before. And he stops his car, and he says, the weirdest thing I've ever seen. He said, this ball of light suddenly rises up from the ground, and he realizes actually the head of a very strange being looks to be about six feet tall or larger. It was tall, he said, almost skeletal thin. It was completely hairless. And he said, from what he could see later on, he felt that it was lying on its belly on the ground with its head facing towards the road. It then stood up facing the road, and it was all dark there. And he said, the dull light from the glowing head illuminated the upper section of the body. He said he watched the creature turn to the right, and the dull illumination from the head lit up the shoulder area. And he said... That it turned to the left and it, it took off at an incredible speed. He said, towards the location from the road. But he said, as it moved off, the witness said he could see its arm swinging. He said, it took off at a speed that you could only call abnormal. He said, it was faster than anything I've ever seen. It was there and then was gone. By the way, that's almost the same thing as people tell me with Bigfoot and other cryptids. They're suddenly there and they're suddenly gone. He said the long limbs looked skeletal with no muscle mass. The skin tone appeared to be a dull grayish blue. He could not see any facial features. And uh, he said it lasted about 10 seconds. But he said he never saw anything move so quickly. Well, that in itself was an interesting case. It would have been, uh, I think, it's September of 2017. Now, this is another area. I'm going to guess 30 some miles from there, maybe, in another area. This woman's outside, seven thirty-eight o'clock in the evening. She sees a a, a disc-shaped object uh, in the sky, uh, actually low, over the trees, rotating with various colored lights on it. It's bobbing up and down. She's watching this thing hover, and soon after, she hears this really strange sound. Coming out of the nearby woods, she said, I know what an owl sounds like, but she said this was different. She said, it was very loud and steady. It really wasn't like an owl. She said, I can't explain it. So she's watching this thing hovering in the sky, and while the object's there, suddenly she sees a figure coming out of the woods about 40 feet away. She thought at first it was a neighbor, but soon realizes whatever she was seeing It had a basic human form, but it was not a human. It was a strange being, about 5 foot 8 inches tall. The head was kind of egg-shaped. The color of the creature was odd. Gave the impression it was very sickly and in poor health. It looked to be very light cream to ivory color. Very similar description. She said thin and hairless. Very similar to what the police officer described. And then it was in the fall of 2018 this is another report from another area, and I, I met this guy. I was there. I saw where it happened, and this guy lives deep in a wooded area, so his home's in the woods. He knows he lives in the woods. He knows deer. He lives with the deer in that area, and he works outside, and uh, he happened to be up behind his home up in the woods this one evening, and he hears this unusual bipedal sound. that didn't sound like a human. It didn't sound like deer moving. And he got a little concerned over it, so he still went down to his house, and he's sitting there in the kitchen. He's sitting at the table 10 feet away from the back door, which is completely unobstructed. There's no curtains or anything on it. And he said, I couldn't believe what I'm seeing. he said, I'm sitting there 10 feet away, and crouched down at the door was this creature like I'd never seen before. He said it was a humanoid-shaped being and it was staring right at the witness, but he said it had glowing yellow luminous eyes. He said it looked like a skeleton covered with all gray skin, very, very sickly looking. The legs looked similar. The back leg were a gray hand. The arms were longer than normal, bony and hairless. The head was round. The neck was small. The head appeared to be on his shoulders. The mouth was closed, but the eyes were glowing a dull yellow. He said this thing was six or seven feet tall. He could see its spine protruding as it moved. And it was crouched down on all fours, looked directly into his face. He got up and turned. When he looked back, it was crouched on all fours, scampering around the side of the house and gone. And more reports have come in since then. Others have received similar reports, and not only in Pennsylvania, but around the country.
8: How do you explain that?
2: <laughs> How can I explain a lot of these things? The whole point <laughs> is this. you've got, and, and we're just talking now about just a few of the kind of cryptid and creatures i've been getting reports on and others you can't have so many unknown creatures out there it's impossible but at the same time you've got so many really credible witnesses who don't know each other in most cases they know nothing about these other reports they're reluctant to tell anybody some of them were scared to death they want no publicity so you can't eliminate these reports, and when you compare the data and the similarities from across the country, and even in some cases other countries, something's going on. You,
8: you know, know what it sounds like, okay? It sounds like some kind of alien creature has got itself marooned here, and is like getting, you know, it needs help, like it, it hasn't got enough food to eat, and it's like just about down to skin and bones, and... And it's freaked out by people, and, and it's afraid of us. And, you know, that's what it kind of sounds like
2: to me. But there's so much we won't even have time to begin to talk
1: about. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll have sympathy for cryptids. The poor cryptids stuck here on this horrible backwater planet with those earthlings. They're just horrible people, aren't they? We're talking about us. Oh, well. We have Stan Gordon, just keeping up to date on the many hundreds and thousands of cases that he has investigated over the years. Have a couple more segments, then he'll join us on After the Paracast with Gene and Randall. You're in The Paracast.
11: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
3: USA Radio
15: News with Dan Narocki. The Biden administration is scrambling to find the capacity for the nearly 14,000 illegal immigrants in federal custody from the recent surge at the southern border. That includes more than 5,000 unaccompanied children in U.S. Customs and Border Protection custody. Senator Marcia Blackburn says numbers like that prove that the border situation is out of control. The Tennessee Republican tells Fox News that criminal elements are making the situation worse by taking advantage of the confusion.
13: You have
11: international drug cartels. Human trafficking, sex trafficking cartels, and where are they all coming to work? The northern part of Mexico, just south of the U.S. border. And for the drug and human and sex trafficking, this is out of control. So no, they do not have this border under control. And there are steps they need to take immediately
13: to get it back under control.
15: This is USA Radio News. The White House is eyeing a possible tax hike to help fund an infrastructure package. Earlier this week, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said the taxes would not go up for families making under $400,000. The plan is also expected to include an increase in corporate taxes and changes to the way that capital gains are taxed. Senator Steve Daines says that the way to revitalize the economy is by cutting taxes, like Congress did in 2017. The Montana Republican tells Fox News that Democrats appear to only be interested in increasing spending.
2: Remember... He was Republican Senate and House working with President Trump back in 2017. We unleashed the economy by cutting taxes. Democrats now want to
6: unleash big government with massive spending. We saw that with that, uh, that COVID bill that's uh, well-disguised. It's really a liberal wish list of Nancy Pelosi's dream spending items. Uh, and so they're going to push massive spending and tax
15: hikes. This is USA Radio News.
9: Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Pau D'Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus doesn't grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation and anti-parasite properties. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. That's shop, S-H-O-P, super, S-U-P-E-R, T-T-E-A, dot com. So the complete website is shopsupertea.com. Or call us at 818 984 Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5, California time. That's shopsupertea.com at 818-984-6100.
0: This is Micah Hanks of the Lean Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard
1: of paranormal radio. So this is the new song, Sympathy for the Cryptid?
8: Indeed. I mean, you know, we, we they sound so weird, and people are afraid of the strange. You know, you think about, like, you know, E.T., the extraterrestrial. He has kind of weird-looking and stuff, too, and but he really wasn't out to hurt anybody. Like, maybe these creatures are, maybe they need help, you know, but people are more likely to pick up a gun and shoot at one than, uh, you know, than to try and help it out.
2: Well, another interesting little detail that I've been noticing in some cases in more recent years, and I've talked about this in some of the other shows and some of the other researchers are beginning to notice it as well. But one thing I found out in some cases When these creatures seem to realize that the human observer is able to see them, they become very startled and leave very quickly. They're very, very startled and seem to be very upset when they realize they're being seen. And I think that might be a clue to something.
8: Yeah, like if they know that they get caught, they'll probably get dissected in some laboratory. (laughs) You know, they know. The animals know that humans are dangerous. I don't know how they know. How do animals know that we're dangerous when they've never really encountered us before? Somehow it's either instinct or they learn it, but they know,
1: you know? It's just like teddy bear knows before I feed him that he's going to get fed, even though I don't do it the same time every day. Animals are
8: very intuitive. They have senses that are very keen. But I mean, maybe these aren't just animals. So, I mean, maybe they are really like you see some light come down. It seems to, you know, land in the forest. There seems to be some kind of problem. Well, you know, they're going to send out some kind of crash retrieval team. This is like an episode of The X-Files, right? And so they don't want to get caught. They want to try and... And avoid humans as much as possible until maybe they get rescued. All the while, they're they're losing weight and they can't find food, and they're on an alien planet. Maybe it's you know it it could be a really rough time for them, right? Like if it's real, if that's what's going on. I mean, I'm not sure, but it it sounds like maybe a reasonable hypothesis. If it's not just all in people's heads.
2: Uh, well, then we can just keep going with other type of reports. They one of the more famous type of cryptids has been shown up here in northern Pennsylvania up in Butler County. They call it the Butler Gargoyle now. It's kind of got that uh, name to it, attachment to it. And this was back in March of 2011. I got to know this witness very well. He's a professional. I got to know him and his family quite well. He's uh, riding down early morning, late at night, early morning, back road in Butler County. And this would be between uh, Chikora and East Brady. Butler County's had a long history, of of all kind of phenomena. I was up there probably late 60s, early 70s, and others have investigated many reports up there from UFO sightings and landing reports and cryptids and weird things for years and years also in Butler County. But anyhow, he's riding down the road late that night, and he notices in his headlight there's something in a grassy area to the right, and he's thinking it's a deer. And he's slowing down, but then he moves up a little further to try to get a better look. About 50 yards away, he observes where it's something that's hunched over, and then it suddenly stands up. He observes this creature uh, in the high beams, and he watches this thing walk in front of a, a very large yellow reflective road sign, and it crosses the two-lane road and three long steps and has gone into the woods. And when I interviewed him initially, he said, I hear people talking about Bigfoot, but he said this was not a Bigfoot. He said this thing was tall. So it was at least eight foot tall. In fact, Beck measured the sign, and the sign was a little around eight foot, and this thing was a little taller than the sign. And he said this thing was covered with a smooth leather-like skin. It was either a dark tan or a light brown color. It never looked at him. He only saw it from this one side as it crossed the road. But he said they, they had appeared to be flat, in the front section, and rounded out, kind of like an aerodynamic helmet. The top was not, not quite a point, kind of like a ridge on the top of the head. The face was flat. The eyes were not clearly defined. The ear was observed on the left side, was long and flat, and came up and back, was kind of pointed backwards like a flap. But the arms were very muscular, and they were like a little longer than that of a human, and the hands had claws. And he said the one thing that really stood out was the legs. The legs were extremely muscular, and he said they were hard to explain, but the legs did not move like that of a human. They looked like they bent backwards, which I've heard that before, too. The witness said what appeared to be wings on its back were tucked into its body with the wingtips extended towards the side of its head, and that was it. He noticed no smells or sounds or anything, but interestingly, within a few days after it happened up there, the local group... The uh, BORU, it's about the Organization of Research of the Unexplained. Dan Hagman leads that group. He interviewed several other witnesses in that area that saw the same thing. Let me see if I have a copy. Here's one of the reports here. I'll tell you about what happened. There were two witnesses. I believe it was Reimersburg right down the road from where the other one had taken place in the area. And they're down by an ice cream stand, and they came within 30 feet of the creature. They say it was at least nine feet tall, had dark brown skin, long arms and broad shoulders. It had a pointed head, flat forehead, pointed ears, and what appeared to be wings on its back. The body was extremely muscular, and there were four finger-like claws on each hand. The eyes were squinted but swept upward at the corner. The creature turned. When the creature turned, the whole body would turn. The movement of the arms were not normal. The mouth had a slit. The wings looked like they were see-through mesh. It resembled wings on a bat. The claws were black as coal. And the witness stated, this thing was straight from hell.
8: Wow, that's pretty bizarre stuff for sure. And, uh, I mean, I did I don't want to even think about going wandering around in the woods now or driving late at night. I used to do it all the time, and this is just kind of freaking me out. But, I mean, we had last year uh, Chad Lewis and Kevin Lee Nelson on, who who took a road trip uh, around down there and uh, wrote a book called uh, The Wendigo. So, you know, some of these... Are kind of reminiscent of that, especially these very tall creatures. Have you have you run into stories like that yourself?
2: Uh, yeah, and I guess it comes down to interpretation. I, I've heard different descriptions of what Wendigo supposedly looks like, and um, and you know, there's different sometimes localized names they give to some of these entities and the other ones. And um, I, I've been kind of careful not to really attach too many names or titles to some of these things. Because there's similarities to some of the other reports, but there's differences as well. So I don't know what we're dealing with. All I know is the witnesses are very credible. There's no reason to make up the story. I can't eliminate them. And, again, the more I know about the phenomena, the stranger it is. And I think more and more of this phenomenon that we're dealing with, a various type of anomalies, they somehow are all related in some way.
1: And Let me they, ask you a crazy back, question here, or, Stan. Yeah. What do you think of the theory here that paranormal investigators, 40 in researchers, whatever, tend to attract the cases that most appeal to their subjects of study?
2: Uh, It's possible. I I don't think it's in my case because, one, a lot of people don't even know who they're calling because I get reports from many different resources over the years, and many people have no idea... Yeah, some people surely recognize who I am in this area and what I've done. But a lot of them don't know what I personally really believe about these cases because I'm open to all possibilities. I don't know what I'm dealing with. I don't think anybody does. I know the kind of reports we're getting. I know the details of reports. I don't think anybody has the answer. I don't think the government has the answer. I, I believe without a doubt that, aware that these phenomena are ongoing, but they're being truthful when they say, They don't know what they are, because I don't think they know what they are either. And I think they're trying to find out, because they'd love to learn what's behind the way these things appear and disappear. I think they'd like to learn a lot more about the phenomena.
1: Except maybe the Pentagon UAP Task Force, which appears to be focusing on just one thing, as I said earlier in the show, whether or not the UAPs or UFOs represent a threat to national security. And if they're not... It's out of their hands. That's where it goes. More with Stan and Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast.
11: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
1: Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about after the Paracast.
5: Take Jake's advice. Give
6: federal tax management a phone call. If they help me,
5: they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625.
19: We have all seen and perhaps used the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you ever noticed how it dries your skin, and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? With bacteria and virus problems, sanitizers and hand washing are the first line of defense against infectious disease. GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam meeting or exceeding all requirements as set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration as a first aid antiseptic. When it comes to sanitizers, it only makes sense that it lasts till the next application and doesn't dry and crack your skin, inviting infection. For long-lasting, alcohol-free sanitizing, come to GCNteam.com, keyword antibacterial. That's GCNteam.com, antibacterial, or call 877-878-4203, 877-878-4203.
13: This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast.
1: The kind of stuff you do, government investigators showing up, men in black?
2: I can't say men in black because some of these mystery men reports we hear, again, all over the country, they're not always in black. We've had incidents, uh, especially during that 73 outbreak, when a lot of very, very strange things were going on, when some mystery men uh, had shut up in different cases. I mean, I had incidents where my teams would go out to... uh, some of those uh, locations that we had cast, I remember one case was way out in the sticks in the area where there had been a lot of sightings and it was way off the main road. We had got a radio call to go investigate another incident. We had just set a number of molds to dry and when we came back about an hour and a half, two hours later, they were completely destroyed. I don't know who did it. We don't know why, but for them to know where we were was kind of interesting. This was probably one of the most interesting cases, and we probably don't have time to get into the whole thing, but I'll, I'll give you the brief summary of it. This was the case in 1973 that really convinced myself and some of my team members, I had some very skeptical scientists and research people in my group, but I can tell you over years, some of these guys are out in the field interviewing people, they're gathering the physical evidence, they're seeing the patterns, they began to realize, yes, there is something going on here, we just don't have any idea what we're dealing with. It was October 25th, 1973, Fayette County, Pennsylvania. About 10.30 that night, I get a call from a state trooper from the Uniontown Barracks. He said he just came back investigating this incident. He thought at the time there was something still up in the field. He wanted me to send my team up as soon as possible, which we did. It was already late at night, but we got our, our radiation gear, we got our equipment, our radios, and we found our way up to Fayette County, and we got up there. and We were up there for hours during the late night, early morning hours. And it's a very long, probably one of the strangest cases on record. The the whole story is my Solid Invasion book. It's a mind-blowing story with a lot of implications to it. But there were multiple witnesses, about 15 people in this rural area. There's this huge barn-sized spherical red object about 100 feet off the ground, and it's slowly moving downward. The short part of the story is this object apparently lands in the farmer's pasture. The farmer's son was coming out to visit him. He saw it in the sky. He and two neighbor boys decide they're going to go see what this thing is. Uh, He stops over his dad's farm, grabs a .30-06 with a handful of ammunition, including two tracers. Tracers, you just get that luminous trail when you fire them. As they get up into the field, up to the pasture, about 250 feet away, the object is now on the ground or right above it. It's about 100 feet or more in diameter. It's a very large, now it's a, it's a bright white dome, so it's like a half of a sphere, making this loud whirling sound illuminating the whole area. And they're just standing there in amazement watching this thing. But about 75 feet away is a barbed wire fence, and along that barbed wire fence, are these two huge, hair-covered Bigfoot creatures, one about 8 feet tall, the other about 7 feet tall, one behind the other, slowly walking towards them. But one young boy, so frightened, he ran out of the field. The other young boy starts yelling at him, shoot him, shoot him. He takes the first shot, you got a tracer. He fires that second shot with that luminous tracer, a luminous trail, and the largest of the two creatures reaches out as that it grab at the tracer, it makes a loud, whining, crying noise, and the exact time it does that, that huge object in the field suddenly vanishes and disappears. It doesn't take off, it's just gone. The sound stops. Most of the luminosity is gone. The creatures turn around, start walking back towards the field. He starts firing live ammo from thirty out 6 at the creature, mainly the big one, no effect on him whatsoever. They call the state police. The trooper arrives on the scene, gets there about 45 minutes later. They get up into the area, and the trooper told me the area where the object was on the ground was a luminescent and glowing about 100 feet or more in diameter. He said um, it extended up from the ground. He said the farm animals were... Wouldn't go anywhere near He said if he had a newspaper, he could have read the newspaper and the light coming off the glowing area. And it got stranger and stranger throughout the night. Years later, on one of our follow-up investigations with the primary witness, we found out something. He always thought that these two fellows that came to visit him, about two weeks after it happened, because we had been there numerous times, he thought these two fellows somehow connected my group. This one fellow came was in a dark suit with a briefcase, and the other was a fellow dressed in Air Force Blues. And they wanted to interview him about his experience. And then they wanted to hypnotize him, which we never did for certain reasons, which I don't have time to get into right now. The um, fellow opened up his briefcase. Surprisingly, he had photographs of UFOs and also Bigfoot-type creatures, and they wanted him to point out which looked similar. And apparently they hypnotized him And all those years, he thought they were part of my group, and they weren't. And we never were able to find out who these fellows were. They never came back and contacted him again. So that was kind of interesting as well.
1: You know, when it comes to hypnotism, I find that dangerous. Of course, Kevin Randall was co-author of a book expressing skepticism of using hypnotism for abduction cases. We also interviewed an Australian investigator, Cheryl Gottschall, who's a hypnotherapist. And she made pretty clear that she doesn't believe you can get an accurate tale of what went on if you try to do it through hypnosis.
2: And I agree a lot, and we rarely ever did that, and, and we had some very good professionally trained people in my group back in those days. We very rarely ever used hypnosis. And there were a number of reasons for it. And in this case, we never did because it was a famous psychiatrist who got involved in this case who came up here from New Jersey for a week to investigate the reports. And at that time, he recommended not using hypnosis. And it wasn't until years later we considered that possibility we never did it. And then we find out that these mystery men apparently did hypnotize them back at the time it happened.
1: And that hypnosis process could cause them to appear to... recall things that never really happened.
2: And that's why you have to have professionally trained people to do the hypnosis and you've gotta be very careful not to lead the witness with how you're asking the questions, which we learned to do.
1: I remember when I tried hypnosis when I was really young, I convinced temporarily someone to give up smoking. But it was a very simple post-hypnotic suggestion that cigarettes would taste very bitter. That person gave up cigarettes for a time, but all his friends kept saying, here, come on, smoke a cigarette, smoke a cigarette. So finally, of course, the impact of the post-hypnotic suggestion passed and he started smoking again.
2: There you go. You know, there's a lot of phenomena going on. Even the last few weeks, I have reports coming in. We've seen a little increase in reports in recent weeks of activity. People can go to my website, which is info. They can look up some of the information on there and I'll be updating it as I can. They also can contact me. They can also email me at T-A-U-F-O at Comcast.net. They can actually call me 724-838-7768. My books are available at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com.
1: I should point out here, he doesn't worry about spam. He gives out his email address freely and his phone number. I mean, that's the number we use to call him. There you go. This guy has obviously got a lot of coverage. You have an old-fashioned landline. You don't get all the spam calls, do you?
2: Uh, We still get some, and not as many, but we still get them.
1: I know a company was fined like $200 million for sending out robocalls for fraudulent merchandise. So maybe they're finally going to do something to stop that, because I have a Caller Protect feature from AT&T, and I still get the calls. Oh, well. You can find us on Twitter, by the way, if you go to the Paracast, look for the Paracast on Twitter. Don't expect lots of action, mostly just updates on the show. We're also on Facebook in a couple of places, fan club and a community. And the same thing, we will respond to questions, we'll answer anything you have to ask us, and we'll post updates for the show. And then there's the branded merchandise, the Paracast.shop. The Paracast.shop. And what does that do? Well, Paracast.shop will give you an option of up to four different logos to choose from for different kinds of branded merchandise, the T-shirts and the throw pillows and all that stuff. And we're always working on getting better merchandise in there. So check it out. Randall, by the way, did some of those logos, the Paracast.shop. Also, we have the Paracast.plus. And there you get a version of this show free of the network ads we also offer the After the Paracast Podcast. And by the way, Stan Gordon will be back to talk about more things there, maybe some more of the recent cases he's explored on the Paracast, After the Paracast Podcast. We also are offering for those who buy a five year, if you buy a five-year or lifetime subscription to the Paracast Plus, you get a free coupon code for the phenomenon. The James Fox UFO documentary and three hours of extra materials. We only have a few coupons left. Check out the PowerCast Plus to place your order. Stan Gordon, thank you for joining us on the PowerCast. Thanks for having
2: me back on the program. It's always fun.